Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad Podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. The truth train doesn't stop here. Did you know that you can connect with us and our guests further? Join us on the uncensored platform, Telegram for live chats and Q&A with our guests. Hope to see you there. On this episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, we're speaking with Nicole Carter, the author of How I Healed My Ulcerative Colitis. She has several downloadable books available and you can find her on Instagram at healthywithnicole underscore new. Nicole has a passion for helping people solve their gut health issues and get back to a better health. Today, we'll be talking about some basic tips to get your gut health in line, as well as underlying causes and the direct correlation between mental health and gut health, and so much more, I'm sure. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks, guys. Um, Thank you for having me. My name is Nicole Carter. I am a health educator and health coach. I've been working in the health field for about 20 years. My background is in psychology and public health. Went to graduate school in Nevada and studied health promotion, which really became the, uh, fell into the school of public health after I graduated. Um, But that was really all about learning about how diseases come about, how people get sick and how to prevent um, populations of people from getting ill. So I have an interesting background on the education side. My personal side, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I was raised by a very holistic mom. She taught us about natural health. And so I came with this uh, very, you know, alternative way of thinking about health and wellness. And so over the years, I've had both perspectives. Um, But in most recently, in 2012, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And for many years, I was told by the doctors that there was nothing I could do about it. I, you know, there was no cure and they really didn't know what caused it. And so their only solution was to just take the drugs and hope that I don't lose my colon. Um, but I never wanted to sat- to settle for that. I believe that there was options. So I ended up um, searching. I did, you know, about seven years of searching and research and finally came across the solution and when I changed um, some things about my diet and, and um, you know, stress levels and things like that, I learned a lot and I cured it within four months. And that was four years ago. And so um, ever since then, I've put all of my health coaching effort into helping people with inflammatory bowel disease because most of them don't know they have options. Most people with Crohn's and colitis are told that this is lifelong for them and that they have no other options to get rid of it. And I believe... And I know that that's not true because I've done it myself and I've done it now with many clients, many, many people that have worked with me to uh, resolve their illness and they have done it successfully. So I do know that there's a lot of other things. We do know there's some reasons behind why people get inflammatory bowel disease. It's not idiopathic. Like we're told there are reasons for it. Um, And so it's been a huge learning experience and it's really opened my eyes to the realities of the medical world and what's happening there. And people are really victims of the medical world in a lot of cases, mostly due to big pharma 
I'm not one of those people that believes that, um, you know, doctors are evil. I think they just are taught to be uh, practicing in a certain way. And unfortunately, they're all controlled by by the pharmaceutical industry. So there's a lot to say there. And, um, you know, and most recently about the uh, breast implant illness, which luckily I had my implants out before they made me too ill. Uh, best decision ever had. But again, a whole whole eye opening experience about breast implants and things that we're told are safe, etc. Um, yeah. It, it's a whole interesting world out there when you start to learn the real truths about the medical industry and the pharmaceutical industry. For your ulcerative colitis, you said that you healed it four years ago. Does that mean that you've never had a flare-up since? Because I know some people will go through bouts with it, or have you just made it a point to change your lifestyle completely instead of being on a diet for it, just changing your lifestyle so that never happens again. Yeah, absolutely. People will get very irritated with me when I say I've cured my illness because they're told and they believe that it can't be cured because their doctor said so. Um, but at what point do you say you're no longer in remission? For me, I've not had a single symptom, a single flare up, a single anything since more than four years ago when it all went away. And, um, I, I did follow a very strict diet, but now I can eat pretty much anything I want. So it's not so that I'm, you know, in a position where I'm confined to a very restrictive way of eating. I can eat whatever, I can live in a normal way, and I still don't have any problems. I've tested my limits, and I don't have any signs of colitis. Um, nothing seems to be bringing it back. So I do use the word cure. I, I don't have any symptoms. I will be polite and say to uh, other people, yeah, sure, remission, but I do believe it's cured. I don't think I have any signs of it whatsoever anymore. So you met, you had mentioned IBS and I have been reading through uh, different holistic um, people's information and they say that IBS is not like a disease or an ailment. That's actually a symptom. Do you agree with that? You know, actually, I've been learning some new things recently, and I think that it's um, apparently there's a connection to uh, Epstein-Barr virus. About 60% of people with with uh, ulcerative colitis also have, well, most people that have uh, are walking around today, most adults have uh, Epstein-Barr virus in their body, and that's just dormant, 95%. Um, but I, apparently that those, there's about 60% of those that have ulcerative colitis and that they have some sort of active or reactivation of, uh, of their Epstein-Barr. So there's, there's that. Um, and then I have also seen some people that have, uh, you know, talked about it being more of a fungal related infection and that it's not actually autoimmune. Um, that's what we've always been told is that it's what they call idiopathic, which means that they don't know what causes it. And that it's just in general, an autoimmune disease. Um, I don't think that's actually the case other than when people get leaky gut, you know, their guts are damaged and that comes from, it can come from a lot of toxins in our food and environment. You know, for example, the glyphosate that has been said to be safe for many, many years is uh, definitely not safe and it pokes holes in your stomach um, and in your gut. And so you end up having leaky gut. And so people I, I think are have destroyed their guts from exposure to chemicals, not only this toxins in the environment, but actually in their food. 
And um, one of the things that really helped me to get over the hump with my disease was eliminating all the produce. And people freak out when they hear that because, you know, plants are life and plants are medicine and put by God and all this stuff, right? But that's, um, it's not really true because most of those vegetables that we see in, uh, you know, grocery store are manufactured by agricultural. They're not naturally growing, you know, um, and there's so many pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, fertilizers, etc., in the soils and on our food. Even in the so-called organic field, I think there's um, plenty of exposure to those kind of chemicals there as well. And so I think that's probably one of our biggest problems is the exposure that we're getting to lots of toxins, mostly through our food. Um, and so when you say, is it a symptom? I, I think, yeah, it probably is a symptom, um, but it can be a combination of things. It could be something to do with the Epstein-Barr virus. It could be a, a fungal type of infection. Um, there's a lot of different things, but I think it all kind of comes down to exposure and stressing the body, you know, not just emotional stress, although that can trigger it too. But most people that I've worked with have, have had a stressful or traumatic event of some sort right before the initiation or onset of their ulcerative colitis symptoms. So you really can't ignore that. I mean, every single client I have had are UC patients and or Crohn's patients, and they they always can recall some kind of really stressful event right before the onset. Um, and it, it was for me as well. So uh, I don't think it's uh, just some idiopathic disease. I do think it's a symptom of something happening and, and it could be multiple things. I have a good friend that works for a top plastic surgeon in the United States and um, she had breast implant illness and she also started studying it as women came in and very similar to what you're saying, the women that experienced the worst symptoms from breast implant illness usually went through something extremely traumatic before, you know, they, they're coming and going, Hey, I think these are making me sick. So uh, that's very interesting that you say that. And as far as the Epstein bar, you know, a friend of mine mentioned this to me and uh, because we were talking one day and she's, she's a very holistic mom. And uh, she asked me like, if I knew about it and everything. And she, and I said, well, what causes that? And she's like different things like mono. I had mono when I was younger, um, a young adult, maybe between the ages of 18 and 20. I can't recall exactly when, but when I did, I remember I was sitting there and I was like, oh my God, my back itches. And it was like, I was full of a rash. And by the time I got to the hospital, I was covered in it and I was, you know, vomiting and fever and all this stuff. And the doctor actually took pictures of my body, said this is the worst case of mono he's ever seen in his life. And he was writing a book and he's putting my pictures in there. And, um, you know, that, that definitely, I guess, could be worth researching. And maybe the breast implant illness and being sick from that triggered this. And it's all just in my body going, hey, let's hang out and make her sick. I don't know. Uh, components that you miss in, mentioned, forgive me if I said this wrong, was the glycophosphate. Glyphosphate, what, yeah. what is that exactly? Uh, glyphosphate is a chemical that is inherent in all seeds that are grown in commercial vegetables. Um, Monsanto is the producer of those, and it's a type of seed that basically 
uh, prevents you from needing a bunch of fertilizers or pesticides, basically pesticides and fungicides. And what it does is it makes the plant, so it changes the plant and it's now a genetically engineered plant. And when it, a bug eats the plant, it basically disintegrates the bug, right? It, I think the way it, 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 it kind of eats them up from the inside out. So it basically destroys the bug. And there's been many research um, articles done on glyphosate that do show that they, it's super toxic and very damaging and in the bloodstream of most people now because it's in our environment. It's not just you know in the plant and you can avoid the plant. It's now pervasive. It's in the water. It's in the you know the food supply and the animals grazing on those plants. So it's um, it's very prevalent. It's kind of everywhere now, and it has seems to have a similar effect on humans. You know, if it's destroying the bugs from the inside out and humans are having having essentially the same thing, you know, inflammatory bowel disease is where your your gut lining is destroyed. So you're literally being destroyed from the inside out. And, you know, once your gut lining is compromised, that's when all hell breaks loose. That's when people start to become extremely symptomatic and have multiple other, you know, disorders and diseases because, you know, like Hippocrates said, and I do believe that everything begins in the gut. So if you lose that resiliency in the gut, and it can be inflamed from other toxins, it can be, you know, irritants in your food, emotional stress causes inflammation too, but any chronic inflammation there in the gut eventually causes these, you know, openings or microscopic tears in the gut. And that's what's called gut permeability or leaky gut. And then, you know, particles can go through into your bloodstream and cause a lot of problems. So I think that glyphosate is just one little example. I think there's there's other things. And, you know, I mentioned the stress and breast implants. Also, one of the things that people talk about is having inflammatory bowel disease. So I have a hunch and I haven't found this scientific connection yet, but I also don't believe that we need to have a scientific, you know, paper to prove something. I just don't believe that because I think sometimes our science is manipulated. And so the science often hasn't caught up with what we're seeing. But um, I have a hunch that for BII, you know, people, like I said, 95% of adults have Epstein-Barr, whether they know it or not. And it usually in a healthy person, it's fine. We can endure all kinds of, you know, viruses and parasites and bugs and whatnot in our system and our, our body handles it. But um, once you get put under a lot of stress or you're, you have a compromised gut, you know, that's you're already having immune system problems, now you throw in there this toxic bag, right? That there's no way that that thing cannot cause some problem in you. How would they thought that was safe? I don't know, but we already know it's leaching into the system and it has all those toxins in it, heavy metals. And in some cases, mold, you've seen explants where women have their explants, their breast implants removed and they're full of mold. And one of the triggers to reactivate this Epstein-Barr virus is, well, stress of any kind on the body molds, which I think is what happened in my case, and other viruses. Um, so I think that there is some connection there that we're seeing ulcerative colitis as a symptom of maybe the Epstein-Barr, you know, because it's so common. And now we're just bombarded with, you know, toxins everywhere you go. That's It's really hard to avoid the toxins. And then the stress that we're living under, you know, um, people in the last couple of years are extremely stressed. And for me, it wasn't about, you know, being a fearful of any virus. It was, it was what's happening to our world, you know, the realization of what's happening to our world. And, you know, my, my employer was trying to force vaccines and, you know, it was really frightening because I, I was 
definitely not going to do that. But I think that the stress, toxins, all those things just reignite um, and definitely can reignite the virus, which can come with a wide variety of symptoms, including ulcerative colitis and other inflammatory bowel diseases. You know, I find that interesting when you talk about um, the Monsanos and the seeds and things like that. We actually did an episode with uh, with Molly, Chef Molly, uh, but she's a regenerative organic farmer. And she really gave us um, a lot of information. And one thing she said was as she's talking about. Um, you know, when they when they do these pesticides and things like that, um, their reason for saying that it would not affect us is because we don't have a shikame pathway. Um, and that was kind of like the reasoning behind it. But she was like, even though we don't necessarily have a shikame pathway is that we have so many um, bacteria and things like that working in our body and our regular um our regular balance of bacteria to keep us safe, we were destroying that. And then she even tied that to like women that have C-sections um, and how now they take um, everything that's all of your fluids that's happening, you know, when you should be having the baby, even though they cut it out and now they take that and actually put that onto the baby to help with that natural bacteria field. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, very interesting. I just put the put an article about this recently on my Instagram page that so you're absolutely right. Uh, humans don't have what we would normally see as a shikimate pathway that is found in, you know, insects. But it turns out that our gut microbiome is full of thousands of different types of organisms and the gut microbiome does have a shikimate pathway. And though and so I think that is where they underestimated the body and um, how it does harm us. And so that is a, what my understanding is, that is the pathway that, that the glyphosate damages us is through that um, gut microbiome shikimate pathway. Yeah, so um, one thing I was curious about, so you're saying that, you know, you definitely go for meat and stuff like this. So how much more often do you see vegetarians with the gut health problems over people that eat meat regularly? You know, um, in the last probably year, I've had more people come to me that were not getting total success on an all meat diet. So for those that don't know, um, when, when I cured my ulcerative colitis, basically I went on a very restrictive diet where I had no fiber at all, no plant matter whatsoever. So that led me to eating all meat, meat, chicken, fish, you know, all animal products. And that's what got me my results in four months. Um, I stayed on that diet very strictly for another two years. And, and then I started, I had just a lot of cravings. You know, I wanted fruit really bad. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I did fine with it. I still have not had any symptoms. Um, so for me, I think it took time to, you know, plants are very irritating to the gut. Vegetables are all that fiber. And if you have chemicals in there and naturally occurring plant chemicals that people don't realize are there, you know, there's a lot of irritants in plant food, which I think we can tolerate if we have a healthy gut, but most people don't. And so, you know, we've got this, um, people doing the carnivore diet and a lot of them do get really good results. Not everybody, but a lot of them do get results. And so when people come to me with ulcerative colitis that they've had it for a while, I do a kind of a special cleanse with them that it takes out all the plant materials and they don't even eat really meat for a minute. But so we do like a soup type of cleanse. And then most people get amazing results just from that. 
and then they have to then rebuild the gut. So we basically are taking away irritants for a certain amount of time. Um, and that, that alone helps a lot of people because yeah, most of the people that come to me have been eating a lot of plant foods for a long time. A lot, a lot of, um, former vegetarians and vegans with really, you know, damaged guts. That's who my clients often are and they're trying to get better, but they've got this in their head that, you know, veganism and vegetarian is the healthiest way. How could that not be healthy? It's plants. Um, and that was my belief because I was a uh, vegan 15 years and it, it, I was very sick from it. I, I just didn't realize it. And once I got away from it, I was like, wow, how crazy, you know, I was sick all the time and had thyroid problems and a lot of stuff. So most of the people, yes, they need to fix their gut before they can handle those kind of plants. And like I said, most of my, most of my clients have been very successful in healing their illness and are able to reinduce, reintroduce plants. Some of them, I ask them to not eat, you know, ever, <laughs> uh, like legumes and certain grains and things like that. Um, definitely just aren't, aren't valuable for health and kind of harmful for most people. So they don't do that. But if I wanted to have a piece of bread, I could have a piece of bread. It's not going to kill me. I'm not going to flare. I'm not going to undo my disease. But if I had that every day, you know, yeah, I probably would. So I think most people do need to eliminate the plants it, at least temporarily until, um, you know, they get their gut into a place that that is able to heal and rebuild that gut lining so that they can tolerate some of these natural plant toxins, at least in small amounts. How does that tie into like if you're eating like organic plants? Like, for instance, I grow my own vegetables and some of my own fruits and things like that, like all of my peppers and things like that. So I'm not using any um, pesticides. At most, I'll use diametaceous earth, the food grade, um, and then sometimes to soil like the baking soda. So I'm really not adding anything to that. Uh, and I do stay away from like miracle grow potting mix and things like that. I do try to use like the organic soil. Sometimes I've mixed in like regular compost, but that's neither here nor there. So I was just curious, do you think that it makes a big difference from real organic? Yeah, I do think it makes a difference because I don't trust the organic label. I'd much rather buy from a farmer that I know, which is what I do, or grow it myself. Um, when you are growing your own food, you have absolute control over it. Most people aren't able to do that. They don't have the space, the skill. They just don't know how to do it. It's not something we're taught to do, right, in school. We're not taught to be self-sufficient. So I think that if you can do that, that is absolutely your best option. However, if you already have a really damaged gut, which can be exposure through other sources, right? Your water, you know, nobody should be drinking tap water in this country. Um, you know, there's just too many toxins exposed to us. But so if you were to at least eliminate that source of toxin, that'd be great. But if you're already having gut damage from other sources, you may not be able to tolerate the naturally occurring toxins in plants. So all plants have a certain amount of natural toxins, like for example, um, broccoli. Broccoli and anything in the cruciferous family has goitrogens, which can damage your thyroid if you can't tolerate it. Um, uh, most plants, a lot of plants have lectins. Lectins come in like beans, tomatoes. Um, most people, if they have gut damage, can't tolerate those foods. They, it gives them stomach aches and bloating and pain and gas and all that. So it's really dependent on your capabilities. If you're having, you know, foods that you grow yourself that have no exposure to chemicals, 
and they still bother you, then you probably have leaky gut and you probably just need to rebuild that gut so that you could then tolerate naturally occurring foods. Because like I say, I can now eat anything I want and all plants besides fruits have the least amount of naturally occurring toxins. But you know, there's oxalates, oxalates and spinach and nuts and chocolate. And if you're super sensitive and your gut's a mess, then yeah, they're gonna probably bother you. But if you have a strong, healthy gut, you should be able to tolerate at least small amounts. Now, I'm not telling people to go, you know, throw giant blenders full of spinach and uh, stuff together because that is like a lot of toxic load, right? Their plants do have toxins, but you should be able to tolerate a reasonable amount of plant toxins and honestly, all toxins if your gut is healthy. That covers the plant portion. Now, when you're looking at like this very um, specific diet that you have set up, that's meat-based fish chicken all of those things i mean obviously i would say that probably organic is going to be recommended over regular but like how drastic of a difference are we talking about uh when it comes between the two i think it depends on the person and again the people that are really really sick sometimes they can't even start on meat they just can't digest it they feel equally as sick they have you know just as bad of symptoms and so for those people, they need to pick another food source. Um, when it comes to what kind of animal foods, yes, I always go for organic because, or not really organic, but what I'll say is the pasture raised. So animals that are fed their natural diet. So the problem is uh, cattle and most animals like chicken are fed things that they're not meant to eat and they can't digest. So their bodies become really toxic and sick. Just like when we're eating things we're not supposed to eat, we get toxic and sick. So cows are, for the most part, fed a lot of corn and soy, which um, they're not meant to eat. They're meant to eat grass. And so that becomes a bad situation for the animals. They become toxic. And um, that's probably why they need all these antibiotics and medic, you know, drugs that they put into conventional meats. So I definitely don't feel good about those chemicals um, and hormones that they give the animals. I did some research on that some years ago and I found that the, you know, what, what, what we get at the grocery store has just the tiniest amount of hormones left in it. But I do know, you know, there's a lot of toxins that stay in the body and stay in the tissues. And so I don't, I don't want to have those conventional meats if I don't, if I have the option of a pasture raised animal, beside the fact that it's just better for the environment, animals grown in conventional um, areas do get exposure to all of those things. I mentioned the gloss glyphosate is on the feed that they get, right? It's in the corn and the soy. Um, those are the two biggest crops that glyphosate is always, you know, they're GMO crops. So they're fed primarily that in the conventional setting. And so they have that exposure too. Um, and it just increases it in the environment. So I would say vote with your money and buy the, you know, pasture raised, buy from small farms if you can. If you can't, then I think meat is still a better option than, you know, these toxic other foods, grains, genetically engineered foods, and for God's sakes, definitely not fake meat. So, you know, that is definitely um, the better choice if you can afford it. But I know a lot of people can't, um, but it, it, I believe it does make a difference you know telling you know suggesting this meat diet and things like that um being on social media and stuff like that and people i'm sure people comment and stuff like that asking you questions about it so what kind of feedback um are you getting from people 
like, do you find that you get a lot of like negative feedback from people that obviously that haven't done your program, but like, you know, the vegetarians, the vegans and things like that. Um, what is that like? Yeah, I used to get a lot of hate mail from the vegan and plant community. Um, but mostly people just, they're perplexed on where do you get your vitamins? Where do you get your nutrition? But here's the reality. You don't actually get a whole lot of nutrition from plants. Yes, you can get some antioxidants, but all of your vitamins and minerals, they're not coming from the majority of those foods. They're tough to absorb the nutrients. And so um, ruminant animals like cows, goat, sheep, lamb, uh, bison, they eat those plants and they can break down those minerals and absorb it into their tissues because they have what's called a rumen or a second stomach and it ferments those things and they're able to absorb the nutrients. We don't have a rumen, so we can't break down fiber. And so we actually don't have access to the supposed nutrients that are in a lot of these plant foods that people are after. So the whole reason why people, aside from veganism, that, you know, a, a animal welfare, which there's a whole nother can of worms. I grew up on a farm, so I know that that's not true at all. But, you know, people, other than thinking that they're doing animals a service by, you know, avoiding meat, when people eat a lot of, um, you know, vegetables, they're eating way too much fiber. Their body can't deal with that. You can only deal with a little tiny amount, which is fermented in the colon and can be good if you have the right microbiome balance. If your microbiome is out of balance and you have more pathogenic bacteria, you're just going to feed that. So um, people really are misunderstood about where do you get your nutrition? Beef has much more nutrition than any plant or vegetable, you know, gram for gram. So that I think is what people, I see the most confusion on when I say don't eat any vegetables and they're like, oh my God, where am I going to get my B vitamins or my vitamin C or whatever? You can get plenty of nutrition through your vitamins. And I usually take the vegetables away. Fruit is actually a lot easier for people to digest and naturally or, or you know, organic fruit. Like when I go to Mexico, I eat the fruit from the jungle. It's not sprayed and not cultivated. It's just growing there. And those kind of things are actually really low in toxins and they don't have chemicals on them. So they're much safer. Um, but with the exception of like, I would say vitamin E and vitamin C, which I do think are important for your immune system. Um, an animal-based diet gives you all the other vitamins. And, and so you don't need to consume t tons of plant foods to get it. We've been uh, you know, over why we should, why we should eat this over that. And so we're saying, you know, to go definitely towards a more meat-based diet. You said some fruit is okay. Obviously if people are healing, there's different levels to it. So you'll advise them when to do it, when to try it, look at the reaction, things like that, which is all part of like the testing process, right? Cause there's nothing on this planet that's one size fit all. Um, but just for my own knowledge, because I've never gone through, um, you know, some of the things that Tammy has with like so much food restrictions and things like that. So I'm hearing meat. Eventually, we'll get to some fruit, uh, maybe a vegetable here or there. Eventually, what else is included? Like, can you give us, um, you know, pass pass the detox into a meat diet? What else is included? Like, what is a breakfast, lunch, dinner? what kind of snacks are there? Is it really just all proteins? Um, no, they definitely don't have to be stuck on protein. Some people do that and can do it for years. I don't think it's necessary. And I do think it's good to include like a small amount of fiber once you get your gut balanced. 
um, just a tiny bit. You don't need very much. And then also I do have concerns about vitamin C and vitamin E, which aren't readily available in, in animal products unless you're eating a lot of liver. Um, and that also can come with problems because it's got a lot of vitamin A, it can be too much for people. So usually once they're tolerating, you know, animal foods well, and they can eat a variety of animal foods and variety is good because you do get different nutrients. Um, then we'll usually start on pulp-free juice or something like that, just to make sure that they're able to handle that. And a lot of people do awesome with it just because they're getting, you know, some vitamin C, they're getting some glucose, which, you know, there's a lot of people that are terribly afraid of carbohydrates and glucose. I'm not one of them. Uh, I think they're, it's actually good for us and supports the body and the thyroid and things like that. Um, and I've had clients just do amazing on it. So first we go with foods that are gentle and fruits. Like a, one of my favorite first foods to introduce to people when they've really, you know, gotten through the worst of it is papaya. And papaya is low in fiber. It's delicious. And, you know, people tolerate it well, really well. Other melons um, are great, you know, low in fiber. And so we usually save the more fibrous foods for way down the road, like apples and pears, um, even berries with a lot of seeds in it, you know, can be too much for people with a sensitive gut lining. I always give this kind of analogy, like, you know, when you've been a little kid and you fell down and you scrape your knee and you've got this big old scab that's trying to heal. And sometimes, you know, you may pick at it and then it go, it's tender and then the scab falls off and then you've got this fresh new skin that's so delicate. So if you were to fall and hurt that knee again, you know, it's gonna, you're gonna bust it open. So your gut's kind of like that. Like it will, you have what I call the healing window. And so you may be asymptomatic, but it doesn't mean it's gone. Cause you, as soon as you eat something that could irritate your gut, the symptoms come back. So to me, that's not healed. That just, you're in the healing window, you're in the beginning of it, but it takes time. It can take months. Um, so I think that starting with really gentle fruits and not really too much vegetables because of their high fibrous content and high plant toxin amount, um, fruits first. And then once people start to get through the fruits and they can eat a variety of fruits, then I'll try them on some um, easy to digest cooked vegetables. Um, and so that could be like mushrooms, you know, something that's, uh, it does have fiber, but not as many toxins and you can cook them a lot, you know, and that, I don't even mind people eating cruciferous vegetables as long as they don't go crazy with them. Right. We're talking like a quarter cup to a half a cup, maybe not piles and piles like people tend to do. So, and they, they, you know, they have to cook them. And so there's definitely like a sequence with people and every person that I work with, we have a journal that we both work on. And so I can see what they're doing and I make notes and they make notes. And um, I have them write down their responses to everything they eat. And so when they try new foods, we can determine, you know, oh, well, that didn't go well. You're not ready for that. <laughs> so that's off the list. And we, you know, take a step back. Um, so it is very individualized, as I think it should be, because like you say, there is no one size fits all. I wish it were that easy that I could just say, here's the recipe, everybody, just go do it. But everybody's at a different pace and heals differently. And they could have other things going on, like, co-infections or major stress or things that we have to address. Um, so I utilize herbal medicine for that. I do a lot of mind body with um, some meditation and breathing exercises just to help calm people down because just simply being in that stressed fight or flight state all the time really hinders the healing. 
So um, with the food, yeah, it's like 90% of what, you know, the healing is about. So we have to follow the, the body's cues as to what they can eat. That's awesome. Thank you so much for answering that to me. And I would imagine too, you're sick to the point where now they're seeing you, they want results and stuff like that. Like that's still incredibly stressful. It's not just, oh, I found someone to help me and all your stress just melts away. It's okay. Well, let's talk about what's been going on with you. So that's like racking your brain. Um, what's going to change in the future? Let's try this. And you're absorbing this new information. And it's funny you brought up journaling. I'm sitting here here and typically I'm a notebook person like I was always carrying my notebook around with me um, for you know work and anytime I'm on a phone call so I can just like write things down even though I have um, a pretty good memory and I haven't been doing that recently and I think that's really bizarre of me but almost every guest that we have that is health related, whether it be um, mental health, physical health and things like that. Even when we talked to Jeff, he was like, you have to have a measurable result in the best way to do that. If you're taking different vitamins and trying to fill a deficiency and things like that is to record how you're feeling. So I'm going to go ahead and set a reminder in my phone. Start back. Start yeah. Yeah. You know, people are um, also coming to me when they not only are they like confused and everything and stressed out, but they're oftentimes suffering from depression and anxiety and even more severe mental health problems occasionally. And that's because they've got so much gut damage because, you know, a lot of your brain function actually starts in the second brain, which is the stomach. And you've got all kinds of neurons down there. So when people have a lot of inflammation in their gut, they are often suffering mentally. Um, and so the journaling really helps them identify like, oh, I, I had one client, she suffered from pretty severe depression and we got her to a really good place. And then she started eating something. She started having bouts of pretty severe depression again. I was concerned like, okay, we got to find this. And she would write down, I felt terrible today. And this is how I felt emotionally. And what did you eat that day? And she writes it down. And we finally figured out it was something with black pepper. And um, she was having a severe response to black pepper. I mean, that was when I learned that black pepper was uh, really, really hard on the gut. And so I always tell people to avoid it now. But yeah, um, they are not only stressed, but a lot of times their thinking is you know, compromised and their emotional states are really shaky. There is a very large category that results in you having mental health issues because of what's happening in your gut. And it's people that are eating shitty foods that could be suffering from something um, like you're saying, like really that your gut is having a hard time um, and things like that. I remember, uh, I don't remember exactly where that came from, but I know I heard that a very long time ago because I myself would struggle um, internally with a lot of, um, I was, I'm going to be honest is that I was almost abusive to myself and that that was really like a terrible time until you know I heard that and I was like well you know I do like this one portion of living life the right way right but then I'm having like all these other entities as well as like a, a bad relationship super stressed at work and I was just having a hard time just managing uh myself and I said you know something's got to shake. And I actually did switch to um, being a vegetarian. Um, and that was really um, to help get myself online because it was like I was eating well and then I would do something crazy. Like I was like binging on pizza, pizza rolls like in the evening, but like during the day, I'm like, 
salad, smoothie, blah, 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 and then binge eating on pizza rolls. And the next day, whether I drank or not, I'd almost have a hangover because I was just just being really shitty to myself. So I definitely find this interesting. And hopefully a lot of people uh, pick up on that message that if you're really having drastic mood changes, that uh, it really can be coming from the food and not something that's necessarily all mental. Yeah, you know, they just had a research paper come out on um, the last couple of weeks saying that basically the pharmaceutical drugs aren't working and aren't needed. And that, you know, I, my undergrad is in psychology and that back in the 90s, you know, we were taught in school that it's a, you know, depression and anxiety and other things are uh, mental, mental health challenges are really a chemical imbalance. And this research that just came out in the last couple of weeks says, nope, <laughs> it's not. It's not that we're low in serotonin. And that's what all these SSRIs are for. And you know that those are probably one of the most common drugs from the pharmaceutical industry is SSRIs next to like statins. Um, they make billions and billions of dollars every year off people being what they think is addicted to SSRIs for their mental health when I believe the mental health comes from the gut. And so if people could just, you know, go, go to their, uh, diet and work on the things that we work on, they can resolve a lot of mental health conditions and not need those SSRIs. But that's not what the message is that they're getting. You know, they're getting that you have a chemical imbalance and you're going to need this SSRI for life. Um, I have seen people in my clients and not in not my clients as well, uh, fix their gut, come off mental health drugs of all kinds and be healthy. I have one client who recently, you know, he's in his healing window. Um, he's about let's say two months in and I ask him, you know, you know, how's he feeling mentally? And he says, you know, I am still seeing changes and every day I feel clearer on the inside. My brain feels calmer. So that's what I see happening is people, they work on the gut. They don't need that stuff anymore. They just start to heal their brain heals. They can think clearly. And then they look back at their situation and go, Oh my God, I can't believe I did all that. I can't believe I endured all that. Um, and, and that's why I do what I do because I, the gut isn't just the gut, you know, when we work on people's gut, yeah, we can probably resolve their colitis or Crohn's or whatever it is they're suffering from. But then sometimes their acne goes away that they've had their whole life or their anxiety that they've had their whole life and had to take meds for is gone. And they now, you know, feel calm. Some people that have had severe depression, they don't need their drugs anymore. They, they feel happy and relaxed. And there's a lot, a lot of examples like that where all sorts of things that unexpected uh, problems go away. And I see the mental health thing all the time. It's very common. So I know all that stuff uh, does have petroleum in it. So how much of the gut health problems that you see um, do you think are contributed to that in your personal clientele? Well, petroleum is pretty hard to avoid because it's in our clothing, it's in everything. You know, I don't know that we can really shut that pipeline off, so to speak. But um, yeah, I do think there are. So in my book, I have a book called How I Healed My Ulcerative Colitis. It's on Amazon. And uh, in that, I cite a lot of the research that I have found. Um, <laughs> when you're really sick and determined, you become a warrior in the research field. And, um, and that's what I did. And I included everything that I have found up until the date I wrote my book. And I have found much more even since then. But um, all medications have some effect on the microbiome. And once you throw that microbiome off, then you're becoming more and more susceptible to that leaky gut. And that's where all hell breaks loose. And so 
even just things like over-the-counter Advil, you know, Advil is terrible for the microbiome. It's terrible for your gut. Um, but uh, SSRIs, yes. Uh, metformin, your um, uh, statins, there's a whole long list of medications and they're in the book, but you could research that yourself if you just have a medication you're taking. Google it um, under, um, you know, PubMed or do you can go Google Scholar and type in that drug name and uh, microbiome. And it'll tell you what's there and that we know of so far. But keep in mind, the most powerful industry in the world, the pharmaceutical industry, um, isn't going to want that amount of research out there. So there isn't anybody really on your side to help find the answers as to you know what drugs could be harming you. Nobody wants you to know that. They you know, just like for ulcerative colitis, your your doctors will tell you because they believe it, um, that the best course of action is to take these drugs to, you know, keep a lid on things and just pray that you don't, you know, die of sepsis or have colon cancer or lose your colon. But the reality is that it doesn't cure anything. It only suppresses symptoms and it doesn't always even do that. Um, so for some people, it makes them sicker. And every drug can you know, I think there's actually a time and a place for drugs and there is some uses to them. And so some people need that crutch, but they just have to remember, it's not going to heal you from your disease. It just isn't. Um, it may be good for a temporary Band-Aid while you work on other things, but there's also that piece of, is it damaging your gut as well? And when you talk about SSRIs, yes, they absolutely are. And I think we're learning new things all the time, but so, the, the, um, so I work in the medical field. Aside from being a health coach, I also work for a very large healthcare company in California. And um, I can tell you that in the last few years, we've had like exponential increases in demand and need for mental health care. One, I believe it's because of, of all of the um, stress that people have been under. It's just been insane for the last three years. And you know, locking people in their homes and insanity like that is um, definitely going to harm people. But I think even before that, we had a really huge uh, demand for mental health care, and there's still a lot of research being done with it. But up until recently, um, and it, so the main form of treatment for a lot of things like anxiety and depression is called cognitive behavioral therapy or talk therapy. And I've done it. <laughs> I did it for seven years because I went through a really period, a stressful period of time in my life too. I had a death in the family and a divorce and all the big stuff, right? And um, so I did counseling and it was really helpful for me to like understand, you know, what, what my thinking was and my patterns and get it to be able to accept my life and what was happening. But it, it didn't really change, you know, like it certainly doesn't change the chemistry of your brain or what's going on physically or physiologically in your body. Um, so I continued to have bouts of anxiety and depression throughout my life and um, that I never really understood what it was. And now I have a much better understanding because it was all of that inflammation that was in my gut during those active years of ulcerative colitis, you know, that was seven years of that. And feeling terrible, you know? And yeah, so we, the problem is this, like we, we're taught from a very young age to follow authoritarianism. That means you've got the head of the school, the school teacher, the doctor in the white coat. So you don't question figures of authority, right? 
that's what we're taught. There's an authority figure in every setting and that's that. And so those people are in great positions of power. And so people, when they're sick or they're desperate or they're fearful, they want that, they want that authoritarian figure to tell them exactly what to do or tell them everything is going to be okay or how to fix it. And we're just taught that, that line of believing from a very young age. And I don't believe it's the, like in the doctor's example, I don't, I know a lot of doctors. I know many, many physicians that are great, wonderful people, and they don't mean anything harmful for their people, but their patients are all suffering. And the only tool they've been given is from the pharmaceutical industry, from drugs. And that's because this, this, the way that the system is built is, you know, you're a quack unless you're a licensed MD, but is that really true? You know, because that's the way we've been taught because only an MD is taught to, you know, really heal people and really, you know, be the real deal. And that they're all taught and through the American Medical Association, which is the big pharma, it's the pharmaceutical industry that funds everything. And so I think people have a really hard time believing and trusting anything outside of that. And that's what I believe we are in that predicament now is, you know, with COVID. And I think I can say that here, right? Um, that people believe whatever a doctor tells them and the doctors are believing whatever they're told. And, the, you know, the uh, public health officials are believing whatever they're told because you're taught through this system authoritarianism. You don't question the authorities. You just you don't even think about it. You're not taught to think about it. You just to get the instructions and away you go. And I, I really believe that's why we are where we are, where people believe they need to inject themselves with some freak poison that's not even tested and has no proof of being helpful or useful at all. And lots of reactions and people just don't want to believe it. They've got the blinders on because they're following this one line of authoritarianism that they're taught to believe. And that's all they hear. And that's all they can hear. And then you got these few people that are like breaking out of the system that can think for themselves. And they're like, wait a second, that doesn't really make sense. Um, and I, I, you know, I see it so clearly now and it's never been so apparent as it is in, you know, today's society with the basically believers and the non-believers, you know, especially when it comes to vaccination and people either they're a diehard with their masks and vaccines or they're like, no, I don't believe that. So they're one or the other, you know? Yeah, no real happy medium in, in that area. You know, people believe it and they go, oh, I guess I better go get my booster. And, um, you know, I have had so many clients that called me after getting a vaccination and having flare up where they didn't have it for a long time, um, having all kinds of problems. People that I don't even know caught reaching out to me because they have had neurological problems, which, you know, I don't feel like I can help them with. So I feel terrible to turn them away. But I just don't know where you go with that. Um, but I've seen many, many um, serious side effects and other things that people probably don't think of as a side effect that I, I see very clearly like cancers. And I'm like, wow, I, somehow people aren't seeing this. But yeah, it was a really stressful time. And um, I don't know how I got it through, but somehow it was a miracle and they accepted it. And so I'm leaving it there until the day I can leave the job. I've definitely um, heard about a lot of different uh, detox methods for what to do after. But what I believe to be the first step to fix yourself 
from the job is to repent. And I believe that with all of my heart is you are putting your, you were fearful and you put your trust in something else that was not God. This job does not come from God. And the first thing you can do to start healing is to repent. And so then you're aware of what the truth is and the mistake you made. And once you repent, you're supposed to stay on the path of not making that same mistake again and um, turning to God for healing, um, to advise you to know um, where to turn, who to speak to and things like that. I think that if you ask God for that information, he will put it on your heart and you'll know exactly where to go and exactly what to do to be able to recover. That's my personal opinion. Well, I, I think there's definitely, like I said, a miracle that I got through that and was able to keep going. And I don't know, maybe there's a reason why I still am there, you know, um, because I don't know a single other person that got it approved, not one. That's definitely a blessing. My sister and I was laughing because she was like, I thought you were going to end with don't vote Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> That is one of my favorite lines. That, and I don't know if you know this, but I hate Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> I tell people like they don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you. Doing what you're doing. What are some of the most frequent questions you're getting with people trying to figure out if their problem and your solution are going to match up? Well, one of the biggest problems is um, they're listening to their doctor when it comes to what to eat. And the thing that people need to remember is that most doctors don't get any more than about four hours of nutrition in medical school. And so they, they aren't equipped to tell you what to eat. Um, at the very least, try a nutritionist, but I think even nutritionists or regular RD um, have very limited. And when it comes to these type of diseases, I don't, I've not seen one um, really give good advice. So the questions that people usually want to know is, you know, why, my, why didn't my doctor tell me what to eat or why did they tell me food didn't matter and what do I do? Like, what do I eat? And so that's a lot of what we go through and it's going to be a journey for each person. Um, but, but the questions, stop asking questions about why your doctor is not doing this or that because they're only trained to give you medications and it's not their fault. That's the profession they chose and that's how that, that profession works. I've never seen a doctor that actually had good you know, knowledge in, in the mainstream, right? They have to go outside of that to give themselves the education if they want it. And there are some that do. And then I would say, great. So probably need to find an alternative practitioner if you feel like you need that kind of support. Um, the only reason to go to a medical doctor is if you need uh, prescription medications, you know, I mean, or if you have an emergency, then great. You know, there's nothing better than Western medicine for a broken leg or appendicitis, right? But um, for chronic diseases, I don't think they're equipped because they don't understand where they come from and why and how to address it. So, um, so the questions usually are about, well, why doesn't my, my doctor tell me to do this, this, and this, and I'm not getting better? Well, you, you probably need a different type of practitioner. And it definitely does start with the food. So, um, you know, learning how to basically got to learn how your body operates and what your body needs for food and what it what it can tolerate it what it can't i think um just from 
a regular person. I think about, you know, um, whether it's the the busy, like the working mom, the working parent, and our lives are so fast paced and things like that. A lot of times we just want someone to give us the answer and not really worry about how it works or why it works, which is I think is a big contributing factor to why people just trust, take this medication, don't worry about that. That's not gonna fix it kind of like, don't worry your pretty little head about, you know, anything else, just take this medicine. Um, it's because we live in such a fast paced world of like, just get it done. Um, I'm in the coffee industry and I have been for a very long time. Um, and it's and it's funny because when we started, we were in the the age of educating the customer about coffee. We somehow, as a coffee industry, thought that that was going to work. And the biggest, the sea urchin company was kind of at the forefront for that. So any smaller coffee shop following suit did the same thing of teaching the customer about their coffee and things like that. Fast forward to 14 years later, and we did that for probably about the first five years. So now I'm to a point that's like I am teaching my employees a language of basically decoding what the customer says. And it's very clear. And the entire staff understands that nine times out of 10, the customer has no idea what they want. They 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 pull up and they order and it's they're ordering things that's on somebody else's menu. They're not even reading our menu and things like that. They just have a general idea of what they want and they have no idea what's in it, how to get it, how to order it or anything like that. So I'm just taking my own like personal like work experience and dealing with the public. And man, it's really, it's really difficult because just trying to even correct someone or, or educate them on something as simple as what they're actually ordering and drinking is such a resistance. And it's something that they actually want as opposed to like a fix for something in their lives. I'm like, you're ignoring how to order your own drink. So God only knows what else you're ignoring in your life. Um, thank you so much for all the inf information today. I know we kind of briefly covered that you do have a book that's out. Um, so if you want to tell us more about that, um, and you also have skincare in your bio. Um, so if you can give us a little brief information on that, and we can kind of close up as to where people can find you. And we do have a final question for you. Okay, good. Um, yeah, my book is called How I Healed My Ulcerative Colitis. It's available on Amazon and on Kindle. Um, so that is really the story of, you know, how I came to find myself with colitis and the journey of learning how to heal it and going through the healing process. And I share all of the research that I found, um, through that process. And, uh, so it's a good DIY if you want to, you know, if you don't have the ability to, to do coaching and stuff like that, then it's a good place to start for sure. You can learn a lot and, and help yourself a lot. Um, so start there. And then, um, yeah, you can find me on my website, healthywithnicole.com. And I do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching and group coaching sometimes too um, for, you know, all things gut health. And with regards to skincare, usually people are looking to either heal acne or some kind of skin condition, um, or they're just looking to address like wrinkles and aging and things like that. And so through the work that we do, we address all that. It's not even about skincare products. <laughs> it's all coming from the inside. Um, so that's how we talk about skincare. And, um, you know, we'd give a little bit more detail about that. I actually think the sun is really good for you. I, I'm a surfer and a sun lover and Southern California, I soak it all up. And, um, 
you know, I think uh, it's actually a really good thing if you take care of your body from the inside. Um, but yeah, so all of that information, I have tons of free stuff on my Instagram and on my website, lots of free blogs at healthywithnicole.com. And that's where you can go to sign up for coaching. I do single sessions, or you can do a whole month with me if you really want to get the intensive work and, and heal your gut. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for that information. And Tammy has a question. Um, earlier, you had mentioned papaya, and isn't that one of the best anti-aging fruits? It's funny, the statistics of people being harmed by herbal medicine or plant medicine is like non-existent, right? You just, it just doesn't happen. I think the only one, when I used to teach, I used to teach herbal medicine classes at UNLV um, right after grad school. And I was like, you know, at that time, there has only been two cases, two deaths. Um, and it was for these two ladies that had taken penny royal essential oil in a large amount. And of course, that's super concentrated and very toxic and they died. Well, um, but people using herbal medicine, they never have deaths. Occasionally some people overdo it or something, but they never have deaths from that. Whereas um, there's about 250,000 deaths per year from medications being used as directed. So just, you know, th that again is more manipulation from the pharmaceutical industry because where would they be if your remedies were growing all around you outside? and that you didn't need them anymore. Because remember, they're the biggest industry, most powerful industry in the world, and they have all the control. And so anything that threatens that is, you know, a threat to them and they're gonna shut it down. Yeah, absolutely. And we definitely follow your rule of thumb that whatever the government says, do opposite. Yeah, we are on that train for sure. Okay, Nicole, thank you so much for being here today. But we do have our final question for you. And that is, if you had, one message that would reach the entire world and you had one minute to say it, what would you tell everyone? That's a great question. Wow, a minute is a good amount of time. I think the most important thing that people need to hear is that the things that they've been taught to rely on in this world, like medications, government, authority, isn't for their own benefit. And specifically when it comes to healing of their own diseases, they already have available to them and accessible to them the ability to heal their own diseases. And the bottom line of healing is that there is no drug in the world that will heal your disease. They aren't designed to do that. So healing comes from a different place and probably from just within your own body. That's pretty much my message. <laughs> That's awesome. You beat the clock. You still have 20 seconds left. Good oh, job. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking to connect further with Nicole, you can reach her on her website at www.healthywithnicole. That's N-I-C-O-L-E.com. Thanks for being Before you go, Hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast every Tuesday.